Hello, fellow travelers. Welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel. I'm your host, Sam Fain. And this week, we're talking about The Lonely Hearts Club, episode four of season two of the Quantum Leap Revival. I'm really looking forward to this one. I have seen this episode three times now, and I have to be honest, I love it. Uh, at first, I wasn't quite sure what to make of it, uh, especially the Leap story. But by the end of my first viewing, I thought it was just a superb episode, a wonderful compliment to episode three in so many ways, while being very different uh, in a lot of ways as well. Uh, my second viewing, I was engaged. I enjoyed it. I think I was even more emotionally involved in it. And then on my third watch, I just came away from it feeling like, this might be one of the best episodes of the whole series. Um, you know, genuinely. I mean, you look at all of season one, you look at all of season two. This episode is really incredible. And it's 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 really unlike any other episode that we've gotten so far in, in some ways. And I don't know, I appreciated it so much more. And I I have a feeling there are people that might not agree with that assessment. Um, and that's totally fine, of course. Like everyone should should formulate their own opinions about this the show and the art that we that we watch, we digest, and 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 the differing perspectives that we share can absolutely enhance, I think, all of our enjoyment. But from my personal perspective, I ended up just loving it and and think it's an exceptional episode of Quantum Leap, an exceptional episode of television, because it just does so many really interesting things. And the funny thing is, is that I had the opportunity, by the time you're seeing this, you'll know, Matt Dale and I from the Quantum Leap uh, podcast, we collaborated on an interview with the writer for this episode, Christy Lowry. And first of all, Christy was phenomenal. What a wonderful guest to have. And working with Matt was so much fun. Uh, I, I felt like it was it was really a breeze. Um, there are a couple of moments which you probably won't see on the video because Albie from the Quantum Leap podcast was kind enough to edit it and put some polish on it, which... I'm not always capable of. Uh, and uh, and so you probably miss a couple of the moments, but really there were only like two times we talked over one another or, or jumped in to ask a question at the same time. So I thought it was just wonderful. Uh, you know, obviously I love Matt and uh, everything that he does. Uh, and it was just a really wonderful experience all around. And Christy was phenomenal. And the funny thing is, is when we, when we spoke to Christy, I liked the episode. I, in fact, I would even go so far as to say, I love the episode. I thought it was great. But for an episode to just grow in my estimation after seeing it a, a couple more times, I, I don't think I was quite prepared for that. And it wasn't necessarily because of the conversation with Christy, although certainly I, I felt like we were able to get some really wonderful information about the episode overall. Uh, it was something, something more than that. And I, I'm not a hundred percent sure what it is. Maybe, maybe we'll discover it together as I talk about the episode throughout the course of this episode of Fate's Wide Wheel. Um, but of course, before I get to all of that, I want to take a moment um, to, to shout out some special folks. Um, um, in particular, uh, everyone who has liked and subscribed, especially all of the new subscribers over on YouTube, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. Um, th those subscriptions help uh, a lot and, and, and will go, you know, hopefully further towards being able to allow me to do some really cool things on YouTube, which right now, because of the subscriber count, I don't have access to, which, you know, whatever, YouTube. I, I'm 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 happy to be here, um, but uh, but the more subscribers that I get, the more opportunities that I'll have for, uh, of course, the podcast and and to engage with folks on YouTube in a different way, which I'm very excited about. Um, in particular, something that I really want to do, as silly as this might sound, is put links in the videos, and I can't do that until I get to 500 subscribers. 
I know, right? It sounds a little silly, but hey, you know, YouTube's got their things. They, they've got their reasons. So I'm just going to trust it and go with it. Uh, so if I get to 500 subscribers, I can start putting links in these videos so that when I start talking about something random, there can be a link and you can click on it and you can go and see that new, you know, 4K Blu-ray that I'm just happening to talk about because I'm excited about that week or even better yet associated with Quantum Leap. If I'm talking about an actor, you'll have a link perhaps to their IMDb or their Wikipedia so that you can learn a little bit more about that actor that I'm discussing. Or if there's an element of the episode last week, for instance, is a perfect example with Closure Encounters. You know, the references I made to some of the real life stuff, Project Sign, um, the Bell 47 helicopter being able to kind of put those links in the videos and, and, and give viewers the opportunity to kind of like bookmark that stuff for, for future use. I just think would be really cool to do. Obviously people can go and they can search it. They can pull up their phones. They can do all that stuff on their own. And I'm sure many, many, many people did that before they even came to my video, but it would just be something that I think uh, I would like to do. It would enhance some stuff. And of course, by now, you've probably seen the Deborah Pratt interview. It would have been a really wonderful way to include and embed links for her websites and for the Kickstarter for Warrior One. So that's just something that I want to do. And if I can get to 500 subscribers, then we're in the clear. We can start doing that. So um, so yeah, tell your friends, uh, like, subscribe if you haven't done that already. It really does help the channel out, and I really, truly appreciate it. Um, speaking of appreciation, uh, I am, I'm also incredibly touched and amazed. We've got new um, Patreon subscribers. Uh, so shout out to um, Mercury Beat, uh, to James Gould, who I think I may have already shouted out, but just in case, uh, I, I know that there are newer subscribers, so I want to get that right there. Um, and uh, of course, to the Quantum Leap podcast. That's right. I mean, how cool is that? Um, they're supporting the show as well. And I'm really grateful for that. Um, I also want to give a special shout out to Max, the mental health warrior from Madison, Wisconsin. Wisconsin, Max, thank you so much for your support, uh, your encouragement and your message. I really, really appreciated that. And I look forward to chatting with you more in the future, seeing what we can cook up as far as, uh, you know, potential collaborations and that stuff. Um, as always, thank you so much to all of the subscribers. I, I really, you know, just could not do this without you. Um, it, it has become... Uh, increasingly apparent to me um, that with the Patreon support, I am able to pay for all of the hosting now. Um, and that is such a gift. The website, the um, the, the actual podcast hosting uh, service that I use, and of course, the virtual studio that I use, Riverside, I can pay for all of that now because of you, because of your support. None of that has to come out of my pocket anymore. Um, and, um, you know, as a stay-at-home parent slash uh, struggling actor... <laughs> whatever, whatever you want to call me. Uh, that means so, so much. Uh, it gives me the opportunity to keep doing this. And, uh, I, I hope you're enjoying it as much as I am because, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, this is, this is just so much fun, uh, for, for me to get to do and to share with you. So, uh, thanks as always to Al's Play Sleep Fan Site, Bourbon and Board Games, Carolyn Cosplay, Dad, Joanne Bartlett, Dana Bias, Rich Bork, Kevin, Carol Davis, Dex Lower, Dermot Devlin, Barry Donovan, Brian Dreadful, Troy Evers, Larry Ganny, Jason Geis, Kelly M, Michelle Hoffman, Amy Holtkamp, Lori Johnson, Bess A. Corey, Lady Eternal, Oddly Specific with Audra, Christopher Redman, Adrian Sal, Karen Saxon, Jerry Seward, Mike Stouffer, Heather Strabiak, Damon Sugamelli, Larry Trujillo, Stuart Williams, Jill Wilson, and uh, anonymous patrons. Thank you all so very much. I truly, truly appreciate it. I know there's some names in there. You're probably thinking to myself, oh, I haven't actually contributed lately or whatever. But as far as I'm concerned, you have contributed. You were a paid member at one time. And even if you're not right now, 
It's all good by me. Maybe you'll come back to the fold. Maybe you won't. But the fact is, is that you helped this podcast and I appreciate you. So thank you so very much. However, if you are an active and current paid member, you will get access to things like uh, exclusive early access videos. For instance, the special interview I conducted with Deborah Pratt. Subscribers on the Patreon actually got that a whole day earlier. Um, in some instances, you might get that stuff two or three days earlier. Um, but uh, in this case, it was a day earlier uh, just because editing time, et cetera, um, and wanted to correspond with her about a couple of things before I posted it. So um, got that 24 hours earlier. Uh, there will be more stuff in the future coming very soon, some exciting stuff that I cannot wait to tell you about. Um, so head over to that Patreon. Um, as, as always, as always, make sure you're helping out in your community in any way that you can, whether it's volunteering, giving a little money to a local charity or the world at large. Obviously, I'm a broken record. I will always shout out the Trevor Project and Doctors Without Borders. There are many causes that need our help right now, and there are a lot of wrongs that need to be set right. So let's do what we can. If after all of that, you still have some change rattling around and you want to throw it my way, I am grateful. Head over to Patreon, Fate's Wide Wheel, and you will get the skinny on all of what you need to sign up and uh, to, to donate to the podcast. Uh, and of course those, those extra goodies, um, there's going to be some giveaways in the future as well. Um, so yeah, lots of cool stuff brewing and I cannot wait to share it with you, but I'm not ready to do it just yet. So there's, there's the tease for now. Um, what else is happening now that, uh, now that I've been able to thank all of you wonderful people that I can talk about briefly. Ooh, I know recently there was the criterion, uh, 50% off flash sale. Um, if you've listened to the podcast for a while, if you're looking behind me, you know that I love physical media right over here. That is, uh, all of my criterion, uh, Blu-rays, uh, and some DVDs still in the mix there that I haven't upgraded or can't upgrade because they don't, uh, they don't have the license anymore. Um, however, the flash sale was just earlier, uh, last week, excuse me, last week. And, um, as a subscriber to the criterion channel and, uh, having made a lot of purchases over the years, I ended up having, uh, quite a bit in gift certificates. And so I was like, Hey, this is the perfect time to use these gift certificates. And there's no like minimum purchase with the gift certificates. Criterion's awesome. Head over to criterion.com. If you've not heard of them as a label, they've got some incredible movies. Even if you're more of like a casual viewer, I mean, we're talking like princess bride breakfast club, like just some really great stuff, you know, newer stuff, obviously. Um, you know, if you're into Scorsese, they did a, a wonderful edition of the Irishman. Um, um, uh, marriage story has a beautiful edition, um, that actually includes like photocopies of the handwritten letters that Adam driver and Scarlett Johansson actually wrote as their characters to one another, uh, and read in the film. So it, just some really cool stuff like that. Um, audio commentaries, behind the scenes, documentaries, etc. their, their stuff is usually loaded this time around. Um, I had a wonderful conversation with someone recently about films and about how sometimes we don't challenge ourselves the way that we should. And part of that is because that challenging stuff doesn't always make the cinema. Um, and so we have to seek it out, which is a challenge in and of itself. Um, so I've been trying to, you know, make sure that I'm doing a little bit more of that recently. Uh, and one of the things that I picked up that I'm very, very excited about, haven't even opened it yet, is Small Axe, five films by Steve McQueen, the director not the actor. Uh, and uh, just in case, um, this is a collection of five films that Steve McQueen made for the BBC a few years back. And they uh, spotlight West Indian life in London from the late 60s into the early 80s. Um, all five of the films are, are just, I, I, from what I've heard, I haven't seen them yet. I did this kind of on a blind buy, um, are, are just incredibly well done. Um, Letitia Wright, uh, John Boyega, um, you know, amongst others. So wonderful cast. Um, and I'm just 
just really, really looking forward to to seeing these films. The the really neat thing is is that they because they were made for BBC and there weren't you know like um, uh, run times could be uh, a little bit more flexible. So like one of the films is you know like two hours and twenty minutes, and then one of them is like sixty four minutes, and so it really allowed the creative team to just tell the story and not worry about the constraints of of time, which. I know our, our quantum leap crew would probably really, really love. Um, excuse me. Uh, so I, I am really looking forward to that one. Um, it was, yeah, it was definitely a purchase that um, I knew I was going to make, even though it was going to be a bit of a blind buy. This one was not a blind buy. Also, I haven't had a chance to open it yet. This is the 4K edition of David Bowie's, uh, or excuse me, not David Bowie's, but uh, Moon Age Daydream, which is a film about David Bowie. Um and uh, Brett Morgan, um, the director, uh, just did a phenomenal job putting this together. It's filled with all sorts of rare, um, you know, backstage behind the scenes clips, as well as televised interviews uh, with with Bowie and collaborators. And it's just a really beautiful film. I believe it is available on Max. So if you've not seen it yet, and you want to check it out, you can check it out over there. If you want to get it with all the bells and whistles, of course, you can pick up the Criterion Edition, um, the 4K. I'm really looking forward to popping in. Um, so yeah, I, I just I'm I'm very very excited uh, about that and and looking forward to, uh, to to putting those in. So that's some of the new stuff that I've got going on around here. Um, let's talk a little bit of podcast business slash personal life stuff. Um, so as most of you know, I, I am actually an actor. Like that's literally what I did for a living for a time, and then ended up going into nonprofit arts uh, here in Chicago. And I was working for uh, a nonprofit arts company at the time the pandemic hit. I got laid off because a lot of what I was doing focused on marketing and group events. Um, and at that time. I transitioned over into stay-at-home parent. Um, now, all of this happened, of course, as the podcast was was going on. Um, you know, my life changed so much while uh, we were doing this podcast, and uh, you know, I went from being um, engaged to or well married. I actually I was married when, when the podcast started. Married, becoming a parent to, uh, you know, switching, uh, jobs, uh, which happened somewhere in between there, I believe, uh, um, shortly after, I think shortly after the podcast started, I switched jobs, uh, and working full-time nonprofit arts. It was great. I loved that aspect, but I was always hungry to get back to acting when the pandemic hit, none of that was happening anyway. Um, so I became a stay at home parent after the pandemic let up, as you know, there I've, I've participated in a few shows, some stage readings, et cetera, over the past couple of years, um, but haven't really had a chance to really get things moving again. And recently, uh, some wonderful opportunities have come my way, some auditions and stuff. So I actually was offered uh, work in two shows um, that will start. One starts tonight, actually, um, recording this on Tuesday, the 24th. One starts tonight and uh, the run is throughout December. Um, and then the next one uh, immediately starts actually before this project closes, starts rehearsals, and then will open um, soon after. And uh, then there's another show that you know, is a possibility that would go after that. So basically I would be, um, you know, I'd be working, uh, which is awesome. Um, you know, but it would absolutely get in the way potentially of some of the activities that I, I normally do, um, including and perhaps most importantly, the watch parties. Um, that doesn't mean they're going away. It just means that there might be a slight change, um, some some guest hosts, um, hopefully to to fill in when I am unable to be there. Um, I'm navigating this and trying to you know figure it out as best I can because it's obviously. Um, 
not unexpected. It was something certainly that I hoped would happen, but it's not something that I knew I was going to be planning for right away. So, um, I, I mean, that's, that's the career that, that I've, I've always wanted. And, and I continue to, you know, to audition and, and get out there and to be able to have work, um, is, is, is wonderful. And, and, and I'm so excited. Um, but like I said, it will end up, affecting um the watch parties especially i don't think it'll affect anything else um the interviews that i currently have lined up everything's good with those um you know won't affect the the production of the podcast um the watch parties and and to be fair the watch parties have been smaller um this season i think just due to the time change and the and the day change for the show um which is understandable and totally fine um but i i want to continue to offer that as best i can so i'm gonna like i said We'll, we'll see what happens, um, but hopefully I can get some guest hosts um, to kind of hold down the fort and, and carry on the watch parties. And then when I am available, uh, certainly I will be there for those. But due to the rehearsal schedule, um, it doesn't look like I'm going to be able to do uh, at least a few of the rest of the episodes of this first eight. Uh, we'll see what happens after. Once the runs are open, most of the shows don't run on Wednesdays, so I should be fine. It's like a Thursday through Sunday uh, run, so uh, I, I should be okay. Um, you know, the shows run between four to six weekends, um, you know, depending on the production. I think one of them could have an extension, so we'll take it as it comes. We'll see what happens. I'll keep you updated. And I really, really appreciate everyone who has turned out for the watch parties. And I'd love to keep that going and certainly want to try to get some guests in, even if I can't be there. So we'll see what happens. Maybe maybe some fun stuff can happen uh, even when I'm not around. Um, so, yeah, thank you in advance for your understanding and patience as I kind of navigate that and figure all that out with the new with the new schedule. Um, that's really about it. I think it's time to talk about the Lonely Hearts Club. So let's dive right in uh, and and uncover what I love so much about this episode. Uh, the Lonely Hearts Club was written by Christy Lowry, directed by MJ Bassett. And we are in the year 2000 in Los Angeles, California. Uh, and Ben has leapt into Summer Walsh, uh, an assistant to Neil Russell's agent. Neil Russell is played by Tim Matheson. And we see Tim right away uh, in, in that, uh, that wonderful leap out from Closure Encounters. And uh, we get this spirited monologue about, you know, taking some guys out, getting the thing, getting out. Um, it's wonderful because even as I watched it, uh, it, it, it had this energy and it had this familiarity that once Quentin Tarantino is name checked, just Quentin, uh, the, the couple of times in the episode, it's just sort of like, oh yeah, that's totally, that's that, that's that world. Uh, I can totally see that. Um, Neil Russell is an aging, uh, actor, uh, star on the wane, um, had a hit television series. Um, I, it was a little nebulous on the time I, and this is might be bad note taking on my part. I couldn't tell if it was like late seventies, early eighties. Um, I'm, I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think it was like an early eighties sort of sitcom. Um, awful good together, which is just an awesome title for uh, a sitcom. Um, Co-starring uh, Laura Evans, who is played by Erica, Erica Gimple. And we'll, we'll get to her a little bit later. Um, but uh, just the, the setup of this and kind of the swerve going from this in your face, you know, moment where you think, Oh my gosh, what, what has Ben gotten himself into this time? Uh, and it becomes clear 
you know, we, we, we hear the, the bells and, and the set moves and, and uh, it, it's clear that they're on a back lot, um, which is great because, you know, they're on a back lot and <laughs> that's got to be um, maybe not easy to film, but certainly uh, a little bit easier than recreating some of the places and locations that they've had to in the past. Um Tim Matheson's energy throughout the course of this episode is just fantastic. Uh, you know, Tim is, is a, I mean, the, the guy has literally been working for like 60 years. Um, Tim is, is just a fantastic actor and performer. Um, and, you know, one of his earliest gigs uh, was the voice of Johnny Quest on the animated Johnny Quest series. Um, he also uh, appeared at age 13 on uh, Robert Young's CBS nostalgia comedy series, Window on Main Street, as well as appearing in a couple of episodes of Leave it to Beaver. Um, he continued his participation with the Hanna-Barbera series in the 60s, um, Sid Bad Jr. in his Magic Belt, and Jace in Space Ghost. Man, how can you not love Space Ghost? Um, also appeared in a number of films, Yours, Mine, and Ours with Lucille Ball and Henry Fonda. Um, he was also in The Virginian, um, which is a Western television show from the late 60s, uh, appeared in an episode of The Night, uh, excuse me, just Night Gallery, which is Rod Serling's uh, show after The Twilight Zone. Um, also was in uh, Bonanza uh, for a season and uh, just numerous other uh, television and, and film roles. He was actually up for the role of Indiana Jones in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, for me, uh, I'll just jump to the thing that really I, I think always has stood out the most to me, and that, of course, is his work um, in the West Wing as Vice President John Hoynes. Um, he garnered two uh, Emmy nominations for that. If you've not seen the West Wing, just stop the podcast and go watch it. Um, all of it. And then you can come back. Okay. Not all of it. The first four seasons, at least then come back. Uh, <laughs> and uh, in the fourth episode of season one, in particular, five votes down, he is phenomenal. And he's only on screen for about five, six minutes. Um, he encapsulates, I think this, this just, this character that was created to be kind of a foil to the president in many ways, to be a little bit of a thorn in the side of the staff at times, and someone that had an agenda and thought that uh, he was justified in having that agenda for numerous reasons, which I won't spoil in case you haven't seen it, which if you haven't seen it, what are you doing here? Stop, go watch it. Um, and uh, uh, in those few moments, what he does with the character, the amount of nuance that he brings to it, the, the passion and compassion, um, wisdom, intelligence, everything. I mean, of course, you know, it's on the page, right? But uh, without a capable actor, um, you, you know, it doesn't, it, sometimes it doesn't matter what's on the page, right? And, uh, and he's just incredible and phenomenal in those moments. And I, I really, really, it's, it's one of my favorite moments of, of, of West Wing ever. Um, I genuinely mean that. I just think he's fantastic. And um, as many times as the character comes off as a bit of a bastard, um, this is a time when he certainly does not. And it's, yeah, it's just really wonderful to see. Um, of course, he's opposite John Spencer, who plays Leo McGarry in the show. And uh, John Spencer was uh, just a, a, an actor non-perial. I mean, I, I just think his work on The West Wing in particular was so good. And um, the fact that, you know, tragically he passed um, before he could really see that character through. Um, although I think that, that the show did some incredible stuff um, in, in the wake of his passing. But uh, yeah, uh, just just check that out. Um, if you've not seen it, um, uh, you know, it's only four episodes in. So you can just watch the first four episodes. 
but you'll won't want to stop. You'll want to keep going. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, Matheson's great throughout the course of the episode. Does so many wonderful things. Um, there, there's a wonderful mirror shot that we get. Um, uh, you know, as the as they're bringing, uh, I'm not quite sure exactly what it is. I probably should know, but I don't know. Um, but they're bringing th th this. Uh, uh, thing this flexible shiny metal thing which could be for lighting it could be i don't know they could be using it to, to make thunder i i don't know what they're using it for quite frankly it could just be a piece of a mirror that they're bringing across uh i sound uneducated and like an idiot so i'll move on the mirror shot's amazing um the, the uh you know from there we you know we get that Ben knows who this is, like he knows who Neil Russell is. He has this connection to Neil's career and has enjoyed his career. And it's also something that we we get you know right away that it's something that he and Addison shared their love of Neil Russell and watching Neil Russell's movies. And we get you know Addison's favorite movie, for instance, was Duplicity. Um, and 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 Ben here calls Addison um, his ex and, and you know refers to her in that in that way, which is interesting because you know prior to this. Um, you know, in, in Closure Encounters, he he says he lost his fiance. Um, and then in, you know, in, in previous episodes, of course, he refers to her as his fiance. Um, in um, this took too long, for instance. So uh, it's interesting to hear Ben, you know, just say his ex in, in that respect. Um, we we get uh, a wonderful moment here where uh, uh, Russell quotes Shakespeare, Henry the Sixth, Part Three: "To weep is to make less the depth of grief," um, and that's that's important for a lot of reasons because there's some weeping over the course of this episode, uh, and it's it's incredibly well done, well earned, and some of the weeping that happens will be the weeping that we do as we watch the episode. Um, we also get this wonderful, uh, you know, speech from from Russell about life being an adventure and it's meant to be lived. Um, and and I just love there's there's a lot of really kind of neat meta references to the quality of Ben's life and leaping and you know everything that kind of goes into that and the parallels between the leap story and the personal more emotional story for Ben and some of the stuff happening back at the project are, are just so incredibly well done. Uh, I really appreciated how it was all. It, that's the, the amazing thing. Everything in this episode feels like one story it's almost a cheat to call them parallels because we've had previous episodes where we get kind of our a story or b story or c story and sometimes you know the a and b story match up in this perfect parallel which is great um and then sometimes you know they're a little bit more perpendicular or, or whatever the case might be but in this case it just genuinely feels like all one story we're just in different times and places and it's a remarkable thing and and i really appreciated that about this episode because it's not something that we always see um and even in an episode like um uh, uh oh ye've little faith for instance where i feel like you know addison's journey over the course of that episode is tied to her not being involved in the leap and yet we feel like we're getting this wonderful addison story that wouldn't be able to be told without the leap. Um, but this episode, it, it it's like Addison's trajectory kind of just goes like this um, because it's, you know, here she is in the leap with Ben. Now she's back in the project, but the story is the through line for the story. It's still there. And it's, I don't know. I, I, I'm not doing it justice, but I really appreciated the fact that this episode does feel like one story as opposed to feeling like the leap story, the project story, or, you know, a story, B story, whatnot. Um, even though obviously it could be 
talked about in those terms, I, there was a completeness to this episode and, 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 and uh, sort of an integration um, of the times and, and the difference between the times and places that was really fantastic. Um, so uh, we also learned that Tom is the one who's getting credit for uh, back of the project. Meanwhile, uh, Tom is the one getting credit for bringing the project back to life. Uh, Tom, you know, gives this speech about uh, how incredible and important and unique the project is, how it's history um, and how everybody should be proud to be a part of that. But of course, there, you know, there's going to be an audit. Uh, there's some groans about all of this. And Tom hands the paperwork to Jen, which I thought was really interesting. You know, Jen being the head of security and, and kind of being the one to kind of maybe take control of all of this. It'll be really interesting to see where that goes and to see what the nature of this audit actually is. Is it all going to be about money? Is it all going to be about paperwork? Or is there something deeper at play here? Uh, of course, before we can even question that too much, there is something deeper at play here because Tom brings to Ian's attention that uh, there's these spikes in the energy requirements for the project. And Ian explains that. They say that, you know, when Ben leaps, that, that, it requires a lot of power um, to, you know, to, to find him. And uh, Tom brings it to Ian's attention that the spikes are higher than they even were three years ago, uh, or in our terms in season one. And they are kind of shocked by this. And they, you know, they immediately um, start looking at it. And there's, there's a gravity to this. There's, there's something going on. And it was hinted at, of course, in the conversation between Jen and Ian at the end of two, uh, you know, Jen asking them if they were going to tell people what really happened. Um, the, yeah, uh, from, from there, uh, Addison comes in, Addison's super excited to see, uh, Ben with Neil Russell. Um, you know, she wants a full debrief. She wants to get all the details about, you know, spending time with Neil. Um, but first they got to get to the mission. Ben knows that this has got to be around the time of Neil's disappearance. He disappeared in a boating accident. Um, and some people even speculated that it was suicide. Um, because yeah, his, his, uh, star was on the wane, et cetera. And he missed a tonight show appearance, uh, with Jay Leno. So, um, they start to, you know, gather that they're there to save Neil and get Neil to the tonight show, that that's the mission, get Neil to the tonight show, get him to the Greek. Um, no, I don't want to talk about either one of those people, actually. Why did I reference that movie? Anyway, um, so so uh, at this point, you know, aside from being a bit starstruck, they're also concerned now. Um, they uh, discover that uh, Neil's ex, uh, Laura Evans, who was also his co-star in Awful Good Together, is getting married that day. And, uh, you know, Neil's been invited and they think that, you know, he's distraught over the wedding and that, that this is, you know, what's what's going to happen. Um he, you know, he sold his mansion, he's moved back to the East Coast, um, but they are convinced, Ziggy's convinced, you know, they're convinced that the Tonight Show shot will get him back uh, to where he needs to be. Um, we get to Laura's house. Uh, Neil goes there to try to stop things. And there's this really lovely scene between the two of them. Erica Gimple is fantastic. Um, you know, Erica's another uh, actor with, with a, a lot under her belt, um, including the role of Coco Hernandez on Fame. Um, she was on The Profiler, ER, Veronica Mars. Um, yeah, just, yeah, someone who's who's got an incredible career and uh, I think was a fantastic uh, guest star for them. It just really, really brought something wonderful to the character of Laura. Um, and I'll talk more about that later because I feel like there's a scene later that is just absolutely beautiful. And it's the, it's the emotional climax of the episode in so many ways. It's really lovely. Um, 
the uh, <laughs> the end of the scene. There's a lot of comedy in this scene. There's a lot of comedy in the episode overall. But there's there even as broad as some of the comedy can get at times, it feels very grounded, and um, I, I I just love it so much. You know, there's there's a moment where um, you know Addison's frustration uh, with Ben, uh, you know, encouraging uh, Neil to try to win Laura back. Uh, it, it's it's clearly a comedic moment, but it it just feels so real and honest as well. Um, <laughs> The other co-star uh, from um, uh, from Awful Good Together, you know, is coming out the soon-to-be husband of Laura, wielding a, a katana uh, to try to take Neil out or at least scare him off. Um, Laura, of course, gets control of everything, and the way she shushes Neil is just priceless. Uh, and again, feels so honest but so funny. Um, so I, I love the, the, the humor uh, of the episode all, all together. It's some, some really great stuff. Um, but Ben is clearly holding on to his relationship with Addison and hoping to find a way to get that back. Um, you know, he, he, there are things that he says or that Neil says, you know, never, um, bail when you found the one and, 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 and at times, you know, you get the sense that Ben is talking to Neil and means it for Neil. He's talking to himself in a way too. He's also talking to Addison. It's just really lovely the way that the dialogue plays uh, on so many different levels. And, and, and there's, you know, this intrinsic value to, to it, but at the same time, I feel like there's so many things that we as an audience can draw from it. Um, and it's one of the reasons why the episode, I think, honestly, improves with with repeat watches even though i would say that the episode is still fantastic just on that first watch like it's it's an easy five stars for me um you know back in, in present day or future because it's 2026 um oh yeah quick side note i've seen this question asked a lot uh just for clarification you know everything that we know the initial leap took place in 2022 um and ben was leaping all the way into 2023, basically, that was the time in which is from the first leap to until Judgment Day. That was the time of the current day projects, kind of like our actual current time while we watched the show from 2022 to 2023. Ben then leapt back to 2018, which was when Martinez was going to try to kill Addison to save Addison. Ben jumped into the accelerator in a host body, even though it was his own host body. And that's when things kind of went caca and he ended up getting thrown uh, into the seventies and this took too long. But during that time, three years passed from the moment we see Addison and crew waiting to see if Ben's going to come back through the accelerator. That was 2023. Therefore it's 2026. Some people were thinking it was 2021 or wondering when the three years happened or whatever. It did not happen from 2018. The, the, the three years happened from 2023. Anyway, uh, back in 2026, uh, we get this awesome scene. It's wonderful. Alice Krimmelberg is back as Rachel. Um, and I just love seeing, um, you know, Ian and, and, and Rachel together uh, again and, and, and in a relationship again. They have gotten back together Um we get some big information. This is obviously some of our meta plot information. People were wondering, what did Ian do? Well, we're starting to find out. They procured a quantum processing chip from Rachel's boss. Um, Rachel didn't want to have anything to do with it. They were happy to, you know, 
get Ian the in um, with her boss, but it was you know that was kind of the end of it. And uh, this chip, which allowed Ian to find Ben, uh, is also now transmitting information back to Rachel's boss. So Rachel's boss is able to see everything that's going on. And, you know, one of the things that Rachel says is, why would that matter? Um, you know, they're not going to get anything until you found Ben. She realizes they've found Ben and she's not happy. And, you know, Ian tries to defend it by saying, you didn't want to know anything uh, about any of this. And, you know, Rachel comes back with, I didn't, I didn't want to know about that but i i mean ben is it's it's a different story um it's clear that they've done something wrong here and the emotional stakes are very high and as you know rachel leaves we get this wonderful sense that the lonely hearts club is only getting bigger you know it's not just neil and ben but ian is in that club as well um and again just the way that this episode just feels like one single unit working together um in in a way that some of the other leaps haven't and i don't mean that as a criticism to the other leaps because the episodes have worked but this one again it just feels like we're telling one big story um and we're getting some incredible information what's up with this chip uh you know the the notion too that uh rachel seems dismissive of the ai like oh it doesn't matter you know they're just they, they're just gonna get this this ai and ian kind of backs that up it really kind of begins you know to make you wonder about the nature of ziggy and you know what they are thinking about ziggy now compared to ziggy maybe in the first season certainly compared to ziggy in the classic series um and it's a it's a good reminder that this ziggy is in all likelihood a different ziggy um at least to some degree. Uh, and, and we don't know all the reasons why yet. The continued use of putting, you know, the dangers of technology um, towards the front of the series is really interesting. Um, we talked about this last season a couple of times, especially I think around Stand by Ben. Um, but it's clear that that theme is, is continuing to run through um, the, the story. It did not end with, you know, evil Ziggy, uh, which wasn't really evil Ziggy, but I digress. Anyway, uh, it, it, you know, it, it's um, just a continued theme of the show. And I love how they're exploring that. Um, and there's some moments that come later in this episode that really start to kind of put the technological versus the metaphysical in some fascinating ways. Um, and I, and I do, I think that those deeper themes, uh, the way that the show is, is, is exploring them, um, it, you know, it bears, it, it, it you've got to engage. It, it, it can be a challenge, but it's really, really interesting. Um, and I think it goes beyond just your standard, you know, weekly television fair um, in a lot of ways, which is great. Um, so we get this wonderful car scene. There's a couple of great car scenes in this episode, actually, um, where we have Ben and Neil in the front seat and Addison in the back seat. And uh, Ben references the bounty hunter leap from, from season one. Um, ben relates to Neil, you know, he gives this monologue about losing the love of his life, being adrift. Uh, Addison leaves, you know, she like blanks out. Like, she doesn't really want to, to hear this and and who can blame her um you know she confides in tom back at the project again another example of the way that the story is weaving in and out of these times and places in this wonderful way as opposed to feeling you know we have our leap story we have a project story which is just great stuff um and you know tom is is encouraging you know says some sweet things to her uh, also encourages her to let ben lead and trust that she'll know what to do if it goes sideways 
And it's really interesting advice. Um, I think, you know, I appreciate Tom's stance on a lot of this, that he is not there to um, protect his position, if you will, as Addison's significant other. Um, he's there to support his partner. And I really appreciate that. Um, you know, does Tom still, does, do I still have some issues with Tom overall? Yeah, maybe, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm just not a hundred percent sold on him yet. And it's, again, it's not, it's not a, oh, I think he's a bad guy or any of that crap at all. It, it, it's just, there's everything else feels very in place and Tom just feels a little step out. We'll get to that later, though. Um, but I do really enjoy this scene, and I appreciate what he says. I appreciate, like, the content of what he's saying, even if I'm, you know, I, his presence is still jarring me just a little bit. Um, so I, 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 I enjoy kind of his um, ability to support Addison um, without feeling like, you know, he has to be protective or territorial, uh, which is, which is nice. And, and, and it's written in, in such a way that, uh, that comes across very, very well. Uh, I, I like the idea too, that, you know, he and the other characters for that matter have faith in Addison to, you know, to do the right thing. Um, not only, you know, for the leap, but for herself, for Ben. And, 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 and it's really fascinating because, uh, there's this wonderful scene that occurs a little bit later, uh, with Ian and, um, and Addison. And it's just, it's just lovely. The, again, the way that these characters are supporting one another and sharing with one another. And, you know, they certainly have had this experience with Rachel earlier in the day. And now they're relating to, you know, what Addison is going through. Um, um, but we'll, we'll get to that just a little bit. But uh, anyway, we, we, we go back to the leap and we get this hilarious scene of stealing uh, the tuxedo from the wax museum. I say hilarious because the convention of it is hilarious, but wow, we get some really incredibly like grounded moments of gravitas as Neil kind of contemplates aging and mortality and beauty. And it's kind of incredible because again, in this moment that could be just strictly played for hilarity and could be painted in these broad strokes, it never forgets the humanity of the situation. And that's what the show does so well so many times, so often, they never forget the humanity, the, you know, the humanity of these characters, the humanity of the viewers, frankly. Um, and I, I feel like it connects us to those moments and it increases in, for me personally, it increases my ability to laugh the moment while also whew, really feel something from the moment. And, um, and of course, Matheson is, is great in the moment as well. Uh, you know, Ben has a funny lie about <laughs> the 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 dummy doesn't really look like him uh which it doesn't um but it's it's a really nice moment and 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 there's also of course this plot point of the idea that this is the tuxedo um from awful good together you know when he, he and his character uh his character and Laura's, uh, Laura's character got married on the show and uh and, and it, boy that tuxedo was something else with like the gold lame on the lapels and whoo um the 80s were a fun time. Anyway, uh, they get caught. Um, now, if you've listened to, which you may not have, but if you've not yet listened to the interview with Christy Lowry, um, there's some wonderful behind the scenes information about this scene and about how it was a little different to begin with. Um, 
but ended up having to be trimmed for time. Works fantastic as is, uh, but it is also fascinating to think what the scene might have been uh, otherwise. So check that interview with Christy Lowry out um, for for that information. Uh, They used Neil's career to get out of um, being arrested uh, in in an inventive way. Uh, Addison (laughs) helps because they're able, by way of Ziggy, to track down the receipts for <laughs> this police officer's video rentals. And um, there's this circus movie that Neil had done that the cop's daughter had seen. And uh, it's just this inventive and, and fun way to kind of get out of it. And while it is certainly kind of played for humor um, and there's some wonderful moments of, uh, y- y- you know, Ben saying, Oh, the mayor's daughter, Addison's like, mayor doesn't have a daughter. Uh, and you know, and, and Neil did this, uh, thing for, for, for the mayor's daughter. And Neil's like, I did. And it's just, there's some really nice stuff that happens there between the three of them as the cop kind of unawares gets the wool pulled over uh, his eyes and, and, and they're able to, to escape. Then we get what for my money is just one of the best seasons seasons, one of the best scenes of the season um, of the show. Um, Three episodes in a row. Now we've had some incredible moments having to do, having to do with the dissolution of the relationship between Ben and Addison. Um, We get the, you know, in, in episode two, we get this wonderful moment where, Ben is clearly scared. Addison's not there. Where is she? And he's kind of looking around and we see back at the project there on the view screen there, you know, Addison is watching him. And it's just this incredible moment that you feel these two people kind of searching for one another, separated by time and space and this video screen. And it's, and it's really lovely, the impact that it has on Addison and the way Caitlin plays that moment and the impact that this is having on Ben and the way that Ray plays that moment. And of course, the end of that episode when Ben figures out that Addison has moved on and the heartbreak and devastation. I mean, it's just such an incredible moment of acting. And 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 I stand by what I said. I think it's, you know, it's right up there with with the most heartbreaking scenes from MIA in the, in the classic series. And it's just, it's just a heartbreaking moment in general. Um, it's just a beautiful, beautiful piece of work. Um, and, and, and Caitlin and, and Raymond have been so good together. And this season, by turning that relationship on its ear, they have been able to just take it to another level as far as I'm concerned. Um there is the, the the build to the scene, the way that it's written, it almost comes out of nowhere. You know, it starts off with this, uh, you know, kind of It's almost, again, it's by, it's by subverting the expectations that the scene pays off so well, because it starts off in this kind of normal manner. You know, Addison's like, Hey, Ben, you were right. It's not all about getting Neil to the tonight show back of the project. They've discovered that Neil has a daughter and, you know, we're here to reunite father and daughter. How great is that? And Ben's just not having it. And he's, you know, and he's arguing, you know, with Addison about this. And Addison mentions Tom and Ben has this wonderful reaction to Tom and the, the jealousy, the, you know, the, the hurt. I mean, it's so identifiable. It's so, and as you're watching, it's like, oh no, Ben, don't go there. And, and he does. 
and it's beautiful and Addison is feeling guilty and it, I mean it's just so so good uh, they're both phenomenal and it's kind of weird because everybody back at the project is watching this unfold um, and let's not get into the how that happens or why that happens and just you know accept it and suspend our disbelief because uh, if we if we try to pick that apart you're 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 in the the, you're watching the wrong show right now that's for sure but anyway uh this moment is is just so beautiful and uh caitlin and, and raymond are so good and when ben says what i needed was for you to wait for me <sighs> caitlin is superb here it is her finest moment thus far it is her best work she's just incredible this monologue about waiting for Ben, about searching for Ben, about when the project was shut down, she tried to jump into the accelerator, hoping that she would end up with him, um, that she buried him, that she had to give a eulogy for him. Again, the writing is phenomenal, but Caitlin elevates everything. It is... It's an incredible piece of work. It really is. And... Uh, the two of them together as scene partners, they're just doing some absolutely wonderful stuff. And, and seeing something like that, it just makes me think like, man, I can't wait for what's next. Um, not in terms of like the story or anything, but just to see, you know, the, the, the actor continue to grow and continue to do new things and continue to, to find these challenges. Um, it's an incredible piece of work. And, uh, yeah, I, I I think especially after episode three and seeing what we saw in episode three and Ben's frustration and Ben, you know, snapping and and, and yelling and 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 now Addison kind of having her rebuttal, it's such a beautiful complete picture. Episode three and four, that emotional through line, it's like you have to pair these two together. You couldn't just watch one, in my opinion. Um, it's beautiful. It's just beautiful. Um, we you know um, we. I skipped a scene that's important to the meta plot is, is Jen confronts Ian um, about what they're hiding. And Ian confesses that the chip is transmitting data. Every time Ben leaps, uh, Jen says that she's going to build a firewall. Um, hopefully they'll buy them some time. Um, obviously this storyline will continue, uh, but it's very interesting um, that, you know, whoever has supplied this chip to Ian that they're now using, well, I mean, we know it was Rachel's boss that he's now using this information or getting this information anyway, using this chip to transmit that information. So, um, yeah, it's going to be pretty interesting to, to find out what the heck's going on over in that department. Um, but back to the the scene with um, Ian and Addison that I mentioned earlier. Um, you know, Addison, obviously, at this point, like, I mean, it, that moment was difficult for her for a lot of reasons and brought up a lot of stuff. And I think that it's clear that Addison feels like she's failing Ben and she's, you know, she wants to be there for him and she's trying to be understanding and, and sympathetic and empathetic. Um, but he's so angry and he's so hurt and he's so sad. And it's this disconnect, right? For her, it's been three years for him. It's been like three days. And so trying to, you know, trying to sympathize and empathize with someone when that perspective is so wildly different as, as best you do, you're never really going to be able to make it match up. Um, but I love the tenderness of this scene. I love the way that they're able to connect. I love the way they're able to connect over Ian's, um, you know, fight with, with, with Rachel or, or Rachel kind of, you know, leaving uh, them at the, at the restaurant. Um, 
I just I, 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 I'm so glad that Rachel was in this episode and I, I hope she's back on uh, again sometime soon and, and that the relationship is not over. But anyway, um, the 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 very clear situation here is that Ben is not ready to deal with this yet. And how could he be right for him? Again, it's been three days. Um, Neil and Ben get to Laura's right before the wedding and Ben is like very gung ho, like go get her. You know, this is what it's going to have this romantic gesture. We've got these roses. We've got the, you know, the tuxedo, like it's all in place. It's going to happen. And, um, they can't get through the front gate because Neil gets a little overzealous. So they have to climb through some bushes. And as they climb through the bushes, the heads of all the roses fall off. <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know ben uh makes lemonade out of lemons and pulls one rose out a single rose and gives it to to neil uh neil doffs his uh planet hollywood hat and uh and goes in to talk to laura erica gimple is lovely here both in in the way she looks but uh in in her performance as well there's just this wonderful tenderness um you know Ben has prepared this speech for Neil and Addison pops in to hear the speech that Ben has clearly prepared for Neil. Um, it's, I mean, yeah, it's just really, really lovely. Um, and, and, and Matheson is great. Um, Gimple is great. And obviously Caitlin and Raymond are great. As Neil gives this speech about, you know, waiting for someone and, uh, yeah, it's just, it's like everything Ben wants to say to Addison. And Laura's response is everything that Addison can't quite give Ben right now. Or maybe she could, but she hasn't had the chance to yet. And this wonderful, lovely thing is, is that Laura, I mean, it's really, I can't even, I mean, just how beautiful it is when she just looks at Neil and is like, are you okay? I mean, again, Gimple is phenomenal in the moment. Matheson is beautiful. Caitlin in the background is breaking my heart. Ben kind of in the foreground as he's watching this happen. It's like, oh, it's just so, it's such a beautiful, touching, moving scene. Um, it doesn't come off melodramatic. It doesn't come off uh, soap opery at all. Um, I, 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 I absolutely would argue anyone who has tried to make this out to be some soap operatic turn in the in the nature of the relationship between. I defy them um, to, you know, to to to. It's not that. It's clearly not that. It's also interesting because even in the interview with Christy Lowry, we talk about the romantic comedy nature of the episode, and it's not that really. It's easy to kind of call it that at times, but it's just, it's not. And I, 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 it defies kind of genre in a way. If it's a romantic comedy, it's like, it's a kind of a depressing one. <laughs> but I mean that in, 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 in a good way. Um, but this scene is just beautiful. And the way that Laura, you know, lets Neil know that this is not going to happen, you know, that she's moved on, that he needs to move on. And the way that it lands on Ben and the way that it lands on Addison is absolutely beautiful. It is, it is, it is the type of scene you can only do in Quantum Leap as far as I'm concerned. When you have two characters 
in the present, in their reality, one character who has leapt into someone else and is in the room physically, but they themselves are from the future and are experiencing something else completely different. And then we have a hologram from said future checking in on the person who's leapt in. Like it is the type of scene that can only be done for Quantum Leap and it is beautiful. It is masterful. It is just fantastic. I love the writing. I love the acting. I love the direction. I love everything about this scene. Um, I think it is, it is, it is a piece of Quantum Leap at its finest and that goes back to the classic series it's just lovely um i'm such a fan of it um the uh the moment when you know we see neil just deflate and realize that like i'm going on my boat and i'm done um and before, of course, we get all of that, we get this lovely scene between Ben and Addison, which is an extension, obviously, of the scene I'm just mentioning, where Ben apologizes. You know, Addison's like, you know, need to apologize. It, it's just lovely. It's just, uh, Caitlin's fucking phenomenal. Ray is just one of the best damn actors on television right now. I mean, it's it's so good. Um, and I love what it means for the characters. I love seeing, you know, the, the, the journey that Ben has gone on over the course of these past couple of episodes and the impact that that's had on Addison, especially after obviously the three year gap and Addison moving on the impact that it had on Ben now seeing that impact on Addison, seeing, you know, this, this, all of the sudden, all of this tension start to release. It's incredible. Um, the lovely thing is, is the episode doesn't take the easy way out. And I fucking love that. And we'll get to that in a second. Um, Back at the project, we get another phenomenal scene. I mean, this, I'm telling you, from the time that Addison gives the whole, you know, I tried to leap into the accelerator monologue until the end of this episode, we're talking just the best. I mean, the best. I, I absolutely love it. This is the first time I've found Tom compelling so far. And I know we're only four episodes in and he's really only been in like two episodes, but this I want to see more of this, Tom, and I and I and I want to see it stat because I want to be on board with the character. I want to be on board with the actor. I want to be on board with you know the whole thing. I don't want I don't want to feel like I'm taken out when I see him um, because this is great. He has this scene with magic, and we learn that Tom is a widower. Um, we learn that he knows what it is to be powerless, and that. Even here in this, in, you know, he's working on a time travel project that that feeling kind of still exists in some ways. And he espouses this theory that is, I mean, it shook me to my core when it comes to Quantum Leap as a whole. The past 34 years of Quantum Leap history in this moment, all of a sudden I was just, oh. And he says, what if the nature of leaping is sacrifice? It's a one-way ticket. You know, all this time we thought when Sam Beckett, he name-checked Sam, which is great, got into the accelerator, something went wrong with the project. And we've been spending all this time to you know try to get him back. Magic, of course, still wants that. He wants that for Sam and he wants that for Ben. And he makes that clear. But Tom, Tom says, you know, what if that's not the case? What if the whole engine that this works on is sacrifice that you go in and that's it. You don't come back. Um, and who would ever want to do that? And magic just responds simply with, you know, there's something deep inside of us that strives to do better. <sighs> 
and I love that. And I believe that so much. I want to believe that so much. Um, it's just phenomenal. It really is. And it's, it's the type of thing that when you approach a piece of kind of legacy media like this, and you decide to introduce a new idea, if you do it in too ham fisted or bullheaded of a way, it can alienate fans and make them feel like you don't care about, you know, this thing that we love. When you do it in such a wonderfully nuanced way, in such an impactful way, in a way that really makes you take pause and think, not only is it incredibly successful, it deepens my appreciation and understanding of what came before. This is a, this is, this is a, a turning point, I think. And it is a beautiful moment. And I hope it's followed up on. I hope we get more about it. I don't care if we ever know the answer for sure, quite frankly. Um, you know, but, but I, but I just love the introduction of this thought of this idea. I found Tom compelling in the scene. I love the scene with magic. Magic is Ernie's just chef's kiss. Beautiful. Uh, it was great. Um, back in the leap, um, you know, Ben is taking, Neil to his daughter's house, unbeknownst to Neil. And, you know, Neil's like, how did you find out? And, and Ben, of course, shows him the, the, the letters from earlier, um, which is how he found out about the wedding, which is another great element of the writing, right? You know, it's like he's got the stack of letters. Uh, ben takes the stack of letters, figures out, oh, you know, Laura's getting married and they're able to do this. And now, oh, yeah, the daughter, this is the address. Like, it's just really, really lovely. And, and, and it's a great, you know, kind of almost Chekhov's gun. It's, you know, it's Neil Russell's mail. Um, anyway, um, the, the car scene again is just really lovely and with Addison in the back and Ben tells Neil about SOS basically and about Addison seeing her father and about how it allowed her to be angry and it allowed her to connect and it, you know, and, and SOS is a phenomenal episode and, you know, Brandon Routh is awesome. And, you know, if we ever get to see Addison's dad again, I'm okay with that too. Um, and Addison is, 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 is emotional here. Um, you know, because Ben does something else that's really lovely. Ben doesn't say my ex, you know, Ben doesn't say my fiance, Ben doesn't say, he says my friend He says, I have a friend. <sighs> I mean, it's just really, really nice, um, to be able to refer to her in that way. I loved it. Um, Matheson is great you know i mean obviously he and he and raymond work really well together throughout the course of this episode you know they nail the comedy they nail the heavier moments and this is arguably the heaviest moment for neil of the episode um maybe not i, I take that back the heaviest moment might be the episode with or excuse me, the moment with laura but this is 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 certainly that that moment of emotional release for him um I mean, the catharsis, the pathos that's, that's generated throughout the course of this episode is really, really wonderful. And, you know, for Neil to break down in the way that he does, everything kind of comes full circle for him. All the fears about his career, all the fears about, you know, uh, uh, being alone, all of that, really what it comes back down to is he doesn't want to, he, he, he doesn't want to be hated by his daughter. He doesn't want to, you know, to be the guy that, that was never around that, 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 the, you know, he, he regrets so much about that. And Ben is able to encourage him to take that first step to go knock on the door. And he does. And it's, it's, it's a lovely little moment, you know, um, even the actor playing his daughter, like it's just, it, it plays so well, um, you know, from a distance, we find out that Neil becomes a grandfather Neil makes the tonight show. Neil tells the story about his day 
on the Tonight Show. Uh, his book, Awful Good, uh, you know, because of bestseller, he makes seven more movies. Addison says we have seven more movies, Neil Russell movies. And Ben, who, of course, has talked about feeling adrift, feeling lost, feeling alone. It, it lands on him. And it lands on him in this lovely way. And you can just see reading Ray's face. Like it's that we is not Ben and Addison. That we is not Ben, Addison, Ian, Jen, Magic, etc. You know, that we doesn't involve Ben at all. Ben is not a part of the we anymore. And as he was leaping through time, hoping that he would come back to Addison, he was still a we because he and Addison were together engaged going to be married and he was trying to get home to her he was disconnected from the rest of his friends right now he's disconnected from everyone he's no longer a we with anybody and it's in that moment he makes a decision and it's the reason why earlier i said they don't take the easy out because there's this wonderful resolve to a lot of the tension but the resolve takes time ben needs that time and he needs distance and he says, I need a different observer. You can't be my hologram anymore. And walks off and leaps. And, you know, Addison obviously is hurt by this. But it's just such a wonderful moment for the show. It's, again, the emotional journey of the character, the humanity of these people is, 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 is at the forefront. And it's a beautiful moment. And it's handled really well. And I think for viewers now, the question, you know, remains is like, okay, well, if Addison isn't the hologram, who will be the hologram? You know, I know obviously we'd love to see Ian as the hologram again, but can they be the hologram right now when everything else is, is going on and, and everything else is in flames around them? You know, they, they might have bigger fish to fry, quite frankly, than being Ben's hologram. Uh, could Jen be the hologram again? You know? Could magic be the hologram again? Look, if you're seeing this by now, you've seen the trailer, you know, magic's going to be the hologram in the next episode, but it, it, it's. Yeah. I, mean, I I just love the fact that. They keep. They keep risking. Uh, excuse me. They keep taking chances with the show and they keep pushing things forward that, that this show um, as much as I dearly love the classic series for so many reasons, obviously I wouldn't have done a podcast about it for as long as I have, if I didn't, you know, the, 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 the classic series was fairly formulaic and they got around that formula in a lot of ways by going to new places and new times and telling different kinds of stories. But ultimately Sam leaps in, Al shows up, obstacle, 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 Sam overcomes obstacle, Al does the wrap up, Sam leaps out. That's pretty much with a few exceptions, every episode of the classic series. In this series, by changing who the hologram can be, by changing the circumstances of our leaper, uh, you know, Ben having his memories back, but you know, all it, it's really fascinating the way that they're not afraid to change the status quo. And we're only four episodes into season two. This isn't like a show that's been on the air for five seasons. Furthermore, it's not an episode that, or a show that's been on, pardon me, for 22 episodes, you know, a season. So I, I really appreciate the, the fact that, you know, that, that they're willing to shake things up. And if they shake things up and eventually we get back to where we were at the beginning again, I'm fine with that. You know, if Ben and Addison get back together, great. If they don't, I'm really okay with that too. Uh, 
I have no expectations. And I think that that's kind of lovely in a way to be able to go into this without having expectations. Um, because there's just so many different places they can go and there's so many different stories that they can tell. And there's so many different possibilities and combinations of people now that we can see. And quite frankly, with the discussion between Tom and magic, it's got me wondering, is somebody else going to get into the accelerator? Is someone else going to leap at some point to challenge the notion that it's a one-way ticket or they don't care that it's a one-way ticket, that something must be done? Um, I don't know, but I'm, I'm here for it. Whatever, whatever they decide to do going forward. Um, again, just to kind of recap, you know, the emotional journey that we see Ben and Addison on throughout the course of this episode is beautiful. Some of Caitlin's strongest work ever. No, no, not some of her strongest work ever. It's, it's just really fantastic. Ray continues to astound me and be wonderful. And Ben is, is just an incredibly compelling character and you cannot help but feel for him in his situation, um, in wonderful ways. Uh, Tim Matheson is a fabulous guest star. Amazing. Erica Gimple, um, you know, just lovely work. Um, really, really great. Uh, the, the, the combination of the humor and the, the, you know, the, 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 the heavier stuff works so well. And oftentimes it doesn't sit side by side. It's right on top of one another and it's beautiful. Um, the episode again, from start to finish just feels like one big story as opposed to a story, B story, C story or whatever. Um, I, I, I love, the interactions between Ian and Rachel. I love the stakes for Ian over the course of the episode and everything that they're put through and that they have to deal with both on a personal nature and this professional nature as well and how it's kind of all tied together. The mystery, the introduction of this, you know, mysterious chip and and Rachel's boss and what that's going to mean for the project going forward. Um, will we get a competing project? Uh, you know, is that what's happening here with this information that's being stolen? Um, is this some sort of weird, you know, this is how uh, the Martinez project starts, you know, who knows? There's all sorts of things, um, that, that, that it could be. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated to find out where they're going to go with this. Um, you know, does it turn out that Rachel's boss is, you know, Hannah's son or grandson or something like that? I don't know. Uh, you know, what, what does Hannah have to do with all of it? Um, so there's, there's, you know, the mystery, which is cool. Uh, I love that. But ultimately, I think the big takeaways, the emotional journeys that Ben and Addison go on. And of course, the revelation at the end that Ben doesn't want Addison to be his hologram anymore because he needs time and he needs space and needs to get over her. Um, one moment I forgot is there's this really funny moment where, you know, Ben talking about, you know, waiting all time and space for her and going through all time and space for her. <laughs> Neil comes up and he's like, Hey, there's some crazy woman shouting about time and space. And it's just a, it's again, the way that the comedy interacts with the, you know, the drama is, is, is lovely. And that's, that's one of those great moments. And it's Shakespearean, right? You know, you have this incredibly heavy gut wrenching, you know, tear inducing moment. And, and it's followed up by this very humorous kind of quick moment with, you know, the, the goofy Neil Russell coming through and, and pulling Ben away. Um, it's great. So five stars. I love it. Uh, it's one of my favorite episodes. I just, and I'm surprised by that. I'm surprised by that. It's not the action adventure. It's, it's not necessarily, you know, the, the family drama necessarily of some of the classic series episodes that I love so dearly, but it is, um, shout out to thou shalt not. Um, but it is just a fantastic episode of quantum leap. And it's a story that only quantum leap can tell and told in a very quantum leap way with scenes that are specific to quantum leap that are done masterfully and, uh, kudos to the writing, the directing, the acting, 
Um, it's just such a winner for me and I love it. And I'd love to hear your opinions. So drop a comment below, uh, shoot me an email. If you like, find me on social media, tell me you think I'm an idiot and that I don't know quality from quality, uh, or tell me how much you loved this episode and you agree that it's one of the best episodes, uh, of the revival series so far, um, that you love the journey our characters are on because I know I do. Um, so there you go. There is the lonely hearts club. Um, I cannot wait to see what's next. One night in Koreatown. Uh, spoilers. I have seen it. Uh, full disclosure. Um, I won't spoil anything for you. Uh, it's going to be a really interesting episode to talk about in a lot of ways. Uh, and I'm looking forward to that a great deal um, because it's, it's a, again, it's a different kind of episode as they all have been this season. And I'm really appreciating the journey they're taking us on in that respect. You know, season one obviously was a lot about finding their footing, telling this big story, trying to kind of like get the engine moving. And now it's moving and it's moving in all these really unique wonderful places it reminds me a lot actually of uh, if you look at cl the classic series of quantum leap season one was very much about finding their footing figuring out what kind of stories they could tell how they could tell them there were some classic episodes some great episodes but season two they found their sweet spot and season two of the classic series still might be my favorite season of quantum leap um so here we are in season two of the revival and i'm thinking man season two might be my favorite season of quantum leap so kudos to the cast and crew um thank you all so so much for listening i really appreciate it remember to like subscribe let's get to 500 subscribers i can do some awesome things here over on youtube and continue that presence um stay tuned to social media and uh if you want to head over to uh, patreon to support the show please do there's going to be a lot of really cool exciting goodies over there soon some wonderful stuff to announce and some giveaways in the future as well which will be announced here on the show and social media so you'll have plenty of opportunity to sign up for that if you so choose, thank you to everyone for listening, taking the time uh, to, to put me in your ears or before your eyes. Hopefully I don't look too horrible today. Um, and thank you again, Vance, for your understanding with, you know, these work obligations, um, you know, preventing me from running the watch parties like I normally did. Um, but yeah, uh, I think we're in for some really, really great stuff in the coming weeks as Quantum Leap Season 2 continues. In the meantime, take care of yourselves. Stay safe out there. And remember... Always, always, always be kind to one another and leap responsibly. <laughs>